Thank you, Carlo, and good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to our second quarter earnings conference call. And joining me today is our CEO and President Mark Hurd and CFO Bob Wayman. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that this call has been webcast live. The webcast and the second quarter earnings slide presentation, including non-GAAP reconciliation tables, can be accessed on the HP Investor Relations page under company information at hp.com. A replay will also be available shortly after the conclusion of the call for approximately one year. Next is my duty to inform you that the primary purpose of this call is to provide you with information regarding the second quarter. However, some of our comments and responses to your questions may include forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, and actual future results may vary materially. I encourage you to read the risk factors described in the company's annual report on Form 10-K for the fiscal year ended October 31, 2005, the company's quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended January 31, 2006, as well as other SEC reports filed after that Form 10-K. I'd also like to point out that earnings, gross margins, operating expenses, and similar items discussed at the company level are sometimes expressed on a non-GAAP basis, and therefore have been adjusted to exclude certain items, including in-process R&D, amortization of goodwill and purchase intangibles, restructuring charges, and net investment losses. A presentation of GAAP financial information for the present quarter and fiscal year to date, and a reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the financial statements accompanying today's earnings release, which is also available on the HP Investor Relations page under company information at hp.com. Finally, and with a view to allowing time for multiple questions, please refrain from asking multi-part questions or clarifications. With that, I'll turn the call over to Mark Hurd. Thanks, uh, Brian. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. I'm pleased with our second quarter results. We posted solid revenue growth. We controlled costs and expenses. We expanded margins, and we generated record cash flow. This was another solid quarter in a long-term plan, and while we clearly have more work to do. We are building a stronger, more competitive HP. Financial highlights of the quarter included revenue growth of 5% year-over-year or 8% in constant currency. Operating margin expansion in key businesses with personal systems margins of 3.6%, image and printing margins of 15.5%, enterprise storage and servers margins of 7.5%, and HP services margins of 8.9%. Non-GAAP operating margin of 8%, up from 6.1% in the prior year period. Non-GAAP EPS of 54 cents, representing growth of 46% year over year. And cash flow from operations of $3.6 billion. During the quarter, we also made progress on key initiatives, including completing a comprehensive review of our enterprise sales coverage model with a goal to create more demand for HP products and services. This is an area where we can make more progress and we are determined to strengthen our customer relationships, and in doing so, expect to gain a greater share of their IT budgets. We'll do so by increasing the number of HP salespeople calling on our largest global customers, which will benefit demand for HP and for our channel partners. As part of this, we've already started to build out our sales force, both in the enterprise segment and in the commercial printing market. This investment, which will take place over several quarters, will allow us to take better advantage of market opportunities by increasing the frequency in which we touch our customers and drive greater customer satisfaction. 
At the same time, 1,600 positions were eliminated as part of our restructuring program that will improve our cost structure and allow us to become more competitive. And as you will recall, most of the reductions associated with our restructuring program are non-customer facing. Turning to the business segments, imaging and printing had a solid quarter with revenue growth of 5% year over year, led by supplies growth of 10%, commercial hardware growth of 4%, consumer hardware revenue declined 8% from the prior year period. Segment operating profit was $1.04 billion, or 15.5% of revenue, reflecting gross margin expansion and expense discipline. Over the past year, we've taken steps to strengthen the financial and competitive position of IPG via disciplined expense management, technology innovation, and targeted acquisitions. These actions have strengthened our core printing business, where units have grown 8% over the past four quarters and allowed us to enter and compete in adjacent markets such as photo kiosks and the photocopier market. We continue to see solid momentum in our growth initiatives in the second quarter. Color laser unit shipments increased 38% year-over-year, and printer-based MFP shipments grew 44% as we continue to see demand exceed our expectations. HP Indigo Press saw printed page volume growth of 42%, led by new product introductions. In terms of our core printing business, we shipped approximately 12 million units in the second quarter. Unit growth slowed to 3% year-over-year, given a tough compare, and our continued focus on targeting unit growth in areas of high supplies consumption. We do expect unit growth to accelerate in the second half as we drive more promotional activity. We will continue to focus on investing in growth and profitability going forward through our commitment to research and development, targeted share gains, and the building out of our commercial printing sales force. We continue to see 13 to 15% operating margin as appropriate for this business. Personal systems continue to post solid results with revenue up 10% year-over-year to $7 billion. During the quarter, shipments grew 16% over the prior year period with double-digit unit growth in our consumer and commercial businesses and in every region. The market growth continues to be led by the shift to mobility, strength in emerging markets, and consumer. These secular trends are clearly playing to our strengths, and in the second quarter, we grew notebook shipments 48% year-over-year. We also saw strength in our consumer business with shipments up 30% over the prior year period. The momentum is showing up in market share results. In the first calendar quarter, and according to preliminary estimates, HP gained 1.4 percentage points of share year-over-year on a worldwide basis and 2 percentage points in the United States. We continue to post solid margin expansion in personal systems with second quarter operating profit of $248 million, or 3.6% of revenue, up from 2.3% in the prior year period. Given our focus on reducing our cost structure, coupled with our strength in notebooks, strong international presence, and consumer presence, we're confident we can continue to show the appropriate balance between revenue growth and operating margins. However, I ask you to bear in mind that the third fiscal quarter is our seasonally weakest quarter in personal systems. Enterprise storage and server revenue grew 2% year-over-year to $4.3 billion. Within ESS, industry standard server revenue grew 4% with strong growth in blades where revenue increased 60%. Revenue and storage grew 8% with ongoing strength in external arrays where revenue in our high-end XP and mid-range EVA offerings grew 8% and 46% respectively. Business critical systems revenue decreased 7% year-over-year, with integrity server revenue growth up 93%, percent 
offset by revenue declines in TA risk and alpha. Enterprise storage and servers posted a strong second quarter operating margins of $322 million, or 7.5% of revenue, up from 4.3% in the prior year period, led by margin expansion and disciplined expenses. We have been focused on driving margin expansion in enterprise storage and servers, and we're pleased with the progress we have made. However, we need to do a better job driving growth, and you'll see us take actions in the form of pricing and go-to-market initiatives. Part of this effort, we are currently reviewing our enterprise sales model to better understand our sales account coverage and deployment. We have room for improvement, and you'll see us adding more resources on our large accounts to ensure better coverage and to serve our customers better. Revenue in HP services declined 2% year-over-year to $3.9 billion, reflecting the impact of currency and a focus on profitability improvements. Excluding the effects of currency, revenue in HP services grew 2% year-over-year. Within HPS and on a year-over-year dollar basis, revenue grew 2% in managed services and declined 4% and 2% in technology services and consulting and integration, respectively. HPS reported operating profit of $345 million, or 8.9% of revenue, up from 7.3 in the prior year period, reflecting margin expansion and expense discipline. We saw margin expansion in all businesses within HP services and I'm pleased with the continued progress we're making in managed services and in consulting and integration margins. We remain focused on driving operational improvements in the business, and as we head into the second half of fiscal year 06, we'll continue to focus on reducing our costs via labor management and efficiency measures, as well as process standardization and automation. This cost structure discipline and margin expansion will allow us to be more competitive in the market in fiscal year 07 and you should expect to see a pickup in revenue growth rates in 07. Revenue in software grew 20% over the prior year period to $330 million, with revenue in HP OpenView and HP OpenCall increasing 25% and 11% respectively. HP OpenView growth was fueled by solid momentum in the business associated with Peregrine acquisition, which adds key asset and service management components to the HP OpenView portfolio. Software reported an operating profit of $3 million, or 1% of revenue. Although I'm pleased that we got off to a good start with the Peregrine integration and that it is our third consecutive quarter of profitability, we have to improve our operating performance. Software is strategic for HP, and we're focused on driving margin expansion to levels more consistent with the profile and the size of this business. I'm going to leave my uh, segment comments at that for today, and with that, I'd like to turn it over to Bob. Thanks, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. Let me begin with a review of the performance of our financial services business. Revenue for HPFS during the quarter was $518 million, down 5% year-over-year and up 4% sequentially. The year-over-year revenue decrease reflects lower-used equipment sales and declining financing volume, which decreased 14% year-over-year and 7% sequentially. Portfolio assets increased 1% year-over-year and sequentially. Operating margin was 7.5%, down from 10.7% in Q2 of last year and 7.7% in Q1. Bear in mind that operating profit last year was aided by the reversal of approximately $16 million of reserves related, relating to certain aged receivables. We're focused on reaccelerating volume and revenue growth by making appropriate investments in our financing sales force while continuing to balance the risk profile of the portfolio which remains in very good shape. 
Before getting into the key elements of the P&L, let me remind you that fiscal 2005 results, including cost of sales, operating expenses, operating profit, net income, and EPS did not include the impact of FAS 123R stock-based compensation. Consistent with last quarter, to assist you in comparing results versus prior periods, we have included a quarterly historical EPS trend in the financial tables accompanying the earnings release. This should allow you to view the results as though all stock-based compensation had been included in previously reported results. Non-GAAP EPS for the quarter was $0.54, cents, including approximately $0.03 cents from stock-based compensation, up from $0.37 cents a year ago, which again excluded the impact of FAS 123R. GAAP EPS for the quarter was $0.51, cents, which included $97 million or $0.03 cents in after-tax adjustments that were not included in our non-GAAP results. The majority of the adjustments relate to the amortization of purchased intangibles. A quick update on restructuring. During the quarter, approximately 1,600 positions were eliminated related to the July announcement, bringing the cumulative total to about 8,100. Revenue of $22.6 billion for the quarter was up 5% year-over-year and up 8% when adjusted for the effects of currency. On a regional basis, revenue was up 10% in the Americas, down 2% in EMEA, and up 7% in Asia-Pacific. When adjusted for the effects of currency, revenue was up 9% in the Americas, 6% in EMEA, and 10% in Asia-Pacific. Growth profit was $5.6 billion for the quarter, or 24.8% of revenue, up from 23.8% a year ago and 23.2% in Q1. Gross margin improved year-over-year and sequentially in each of our non-financing business segments, reflecting improved operational effectiveness in key areas such as option attach, delivery efficiency, utilization, and discounting. Non-GAAP operating expense totaled $3.8 billion for the quarter, or 16.8% of revenue, down from 17.7% a year ago and up from 15.7% sequentially, reflecting normal seasonality and the implementation of our annual salary adjustment effective February 1st versus prior year implementations on May 1st. Adjusting for currency, expenses were up 1% year-over-year and 6% sequentially. The year-over-year constant currency increase reflects employee bonus accruals this quarter, given the improved financial performance of the company, as well as the accelerated effective date of salary increases. Non-GAAP operating profit was $1.8 billion, or 8.0% of revenue, up $478 million year-over-year and $92 million sequentially, despite the inclusion of approximately $120 million of stock-based compensation in the current period. Non-GAAP other income and expense was pre-tax income of $157 million, or roughly $0.04 cents per share after tax, above the $0.02 cents per share we had estimated coming into the quarter. The excess reflects significant currency gains during the quarter following significant currency losses in the prior quarter. OINE primarily consists of net interest income, which is somewhat predictable in nature, currency impacts, which are more volatile, and one-time items such as gains or losses on landed building sales, which are difficult to predict. Given projected cash and debt levels and our expectations for currency, we estimate non-GAAP OINE to be about $0.03 to $0.04 cents per share per quarter for the remainder of FY06, which primarily reflects baseline net interest income. 
We will call out deviations from this baseline as appropriate. Our non-GAAP tax rate was 20.5% for the quarter, slightly above the guided number of 20%. Going forward, we expect a non-GAAP tax rate of 20% for the remainder of FY06. Next to the balance sheet. HP owned inventory came in at $6.8 billion, up $304 million year over year, and $37 million sequentially. Inventory days of supply stands at 36 days, up from 35 days last year, and sequentially. We will continue to actively manage inventory and are comfortable with current levels across each of the businesses. Regarding channel inventory, we continue to be pleased with management of channel inventory in all of our businesses in both weeks and dollars. ESS and PSG ended the quarter at roughly four weeks and IPG at five weeks, while channel inventory dollars were at appropriate levels across the board. Trade receivables ended the quarter at $9.8 billion, up $517 million year over year, and $1.1 billion sequentially, in line with normal seasonality. DSO now stands at 39 days, flat year over year, and up from 34 days sequentially. Next, property plant and equipment was down $318 million year over year, and essentially flat sequentially at $6.4 billion. Gross CapEx was $521 million, down 8% year-over-year, and up 22% sequentially. On a net basis, CapEx was $401 million, up 6% year-over-year, and 25% sequentially. Net PP&E, as a percentage of revenue, now stands at 7.2%, down from 8.0% year-over-year, and flat sequentially. Coming into FY06, we expected full-year gross capital expenditures of $2.8 billion and net CapEx of $2.2 billion. We assumed CapEx would be heavily weighted to the second half of the year. We remain roughly on track with capital spending in IT and our product segments. However, given the slowdown in financing volume within HPFS, full-year capital expenditures may be somewhat less than our initial expectations. Regarding accounts payable, days payable closed the quarter at 53 days, up from 47 days year over year and 46 days sequentially. Next, a few comments on cash. Cash flow from operations was excellent at a record $3.6 billion for the quarter. Free cash flow, that is operating cash flow less net capex, was $3.2 billion, up 62% over last year. Year-to-date, cash flow from operations was very strong at $5.5 billion, up 39% year-over-year, and free cash flow was $4.8 billion, up 52% year-over-year. During the quarter, we repurchased $1.3 billion in stock and paid $226 million for our normal dividend. In addition to our open market share repurchases of approximately 40 million shares, we received approximately 7 million shares under the prepaid variable share repurchase program that we entered into last quarter. So a total of 47 million shares were acquired during the quarter. We closed the quarter with total gross cash of $14.1 billion, down from $14.5 billion year over year, and up from $12.0 billion sequentially. On a weighted average shares outstanding, our weighted average shares outstanding declined slightly to $2887 billion from $2.893 billion in Q1. Going forward, we expect weighted average shares outstanding to remain roughly flat, with potential increases or decreases dependent on our continuing share repurchase activities, HP's stock price, option exercise patterns, 
and common stock equivalents. Now for a few comments on our outlook. On a constant currency basis, revenue typically declines approximately 4 to 4.5% from Q2 to Q3. In recent years, we have been negatively impacted by currency from Q2 to Q3. Assuming exchange rates stay roughly where they are today and taking into consideration our hedging strategies, we expect revenue to benefit from, from currency somewhat sequentially. However, given the accounting rate used in Q3 of 05 and the hedging contracts that we have entered into, we do not expect a significant year-over-year currency benefit in Q3. In addition to currency movements and seasonality, our guidance takes into consideration the current competitive environment, which contains some uncertainty, particularly related to pricing dynamics. Taking all of these factors into account, we estimate Q3-06 revenue to be approximately $21.75 billion and full-year FY06 revenue to be approximately $91.0 billion, in line with current consensus analyst expectations. Regarding earnings, our results this quarter reflected good operational effectiveness and progress on several key initiatives. Offsetting this, let me remind you that Q3, as you know, is always a tough quarter for us. Our mix includes a significant portion of revenue from Europe, as well as the consumer sector, both of which are seasonally weak in the third quarter. Further, as Mark indicated, we will continue to fund investments to drive long-term growth initiatives, which include building out our enterprise sales force, both in the enterprise segment and in the commercial printing market. The process of selecting, hiring, and deploying these resources will take time, and the associated costs will ramp accordingly. As such, for FY06, we expect these investments to impact Q4 more heavily than Q3. With that in mind, we now expect Q306 non-GAAP EPS of 45 to 48 cents, which includes approximately 3 cents of stock-based compensation. For total year FY06, we expect non-GAAP EPS of $2.04 to $2.08, which includes approximately 13 cents of stock-based compensation. And with that, we will take your questions. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, if you'd like to ask a question, again, please key star 1 on your touchtone telephone. If that question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may then press star 2. Again, star 1 at this time. One moment, please. Sir, our first question is from the line of Ben Reitzis with UBS. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks a lot. Uh, I wanted to ask about pricing, Mark. What is in your guidance and thinking for pricing with regard to the PC market, as well as what you said about the enterprise market, that you're going to make some pricing investments. In particular, you know we're all thinking about what Dell may do or may not do, and uh, if you could make a comment on that particular situation, we'd appreciate it as well. Sure. Um, I'll give you the best I can. I mean, we um, first of all, let me make a statement that we're, we're very focused on, you know, running a good business, and share for us is while uh, important – it is not the primary driver of how we think about the business. So we really do think about the business in the context of the improvement in overall profitability and are able to deliver great products and great services while we do it. We've seen continued aggression. Uh, so I don't think Q2 was much different than what we've seen over past several quarters in terms of aggressive price points. So we factored that into the model that we've 
given you in terms of of, of Q3 guidance. So uh, the best I can tell you is in our in our Q3 guidance, both in the context of ISS uh, and in the uh, PC market, is our best view of where we've seen the market not only in Q2 but where we see it in uh, in Q3. And given our emphasis, as I've described. Have you seen the market get more aggressive as we went throughout the quarter, or you thought it was pretty steady? The only difference I'd say, Ben, is that it's just always been aggressive. I hate to, I hate to, to, to give you that answer, but you know it was an aggressive market in Q2, um, and we expect it to to continue to be. So, if your question is, did I see a um, an accentuation point um, at the tail end or somewhere in there? No, I didn't see that. But I don't want you to take that as meaning this has been a this is an aggressive marketplace, and it's been aggressive for. Wow. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Rich Farmer with Merrill Lynch. Thank you, uh, Mark or Bob. Um, on the restructuring progress, last quarter, I think you said uh, you were about 40% of the way through the restructuring. If I heard you correctly, Bob, you said uh, 8,100 positions, uh, I guess against the target of 15.3 thousand. That implies around 53%. Is that the right way to think about it? In other words, uh, how much of the restructuring is complete in terms of the actions as well as the flow through to the P&L? Uh, and given, uh, Mark, that you're already uh, at your previous long-term margin target at 8% here, uh, doesn't that suggest that the margin targets need to go up? So let, let me start with the restructuring. Yes, uh, your understanding is, is approximately correct. I would only uh, remind you that uh, you know it, it is very much affected by the geographic mix of people and all of that. So you can't j- just take the number of headcount and uh, come up with the right answer. And let me remind you that our overall cost savings included the benefit plan changes, which are already fully reflected now in our run rate in Q2. So uh, that part's fully behind us. We're 53% uh, done with the uh, headcount reductions, and so there is still some more to go. Yeah, and and and, and uh, mo- a majority of that is in Europe. So, and and as Bob's point, some of the early parts of the savings came in the early part of the year with the pension stuff, as uh, as he described. Uh, on the model, I'm not. Uh, I gave you my uh, Q3 and uh, you know back half of the year, and we'll have to see how the rest of the year goes and and how things unfold. Um, you know, clearly we still got a lot of work to do here, Richard. I mean, we've, you've you've mentioned it just in your statements. We've got. Uh, more of our we've part of our restructuring left to do. We've got hiring to do as it relates to our ability to be able to cover the accounts in the market the way we'd like to to be able to uh, grow our revenue over time. So I think before we go delivering any new models, let's get through uh, Q3 and Q4 and see where we uh, we land. Yeah, and Q2 is, is just one quarter. It's not it's not the full year. So uh, when we gave you 07 guidance, we were talking about full year guidance, which takes into account uh, weak quarters like uh, we seasonally expect in Q3. Yeah, and I think I, I, one last one on Q3. I mean, when I look back over history here, um, Q3 is not a strong quarter for Hewlett Packard. Um, so, you know, we we've got to let's let's get through Q3 as we've described, and um, you know, we'll uh, we'll talk we'll talk about uh, 07 uh, after that. Thank you, Richard. Next question, please, operator. Sir, our next question is from the line of Richard Gardner with Citigroup. Uh, thank you. I uh, was wondering if you might be able to provide any additional detail on the impact, uh, the headcount impact of the, the ramp-up of the, uh, the commercial sales force. Uh, in other words, how many people are you planning on hiring and, and over what time frame? Um, and uh, are, th- are there any other changes in the coverage model that you intend to make? Thank you. Sure. I'll, I'll try to give you some color. I'm not going to give you numbers. Um, 
uh, other than to say that you know it's uh, I feel we are undercovered, and it's it's not undercovered to the tune of uh, of 25 or 30 people, or I wouldn't bring it up. Um, so for us, it's a significant movement, and it requires I will tell you is in the hundreds that we need to hire. We will hire as quickly as we can. But I would only remind you it's in the context of we need quality people, people that can do the job that have experience in this area. So as a result, it's not as simple as us as just going out and you know putting a sign out or putting an ad out and hiring people. So we're going to go do the hard work to make sure we hire quality people and attract the best people in the industry. Uh, it's also important for us to assimilate them and to train them. So for a period of time, we not only will bear the expense, we will not have gross margin, uh, from them as they get productive, and that can take in some cases six, nine, ten months uh, once they get hired. So, um, again, we've factored that into the guidance that we've given you for, for Q3 and Q4, which we would expect to have some of that headcount in place with, frankly, no productivity from that headcount. Thank you, Richard. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Rebecca Rungle with Morgan Stanley. Good afternoon. Thanks. Just a, a quick clarification, uh, if I could, Mark, on software. If I recall, you were looking for continued improvement quarter to quarter in the software returns. You alluded to some of what happened in the quarter, but hoping that you could provide a little bit more context and clarity and then what specifically you're doing, if anything, in addition to what you've already laid out to get that, um, you know, to ramp the way you'd like to see it. Sure, sure. Thanks, Rebecca. We need to get the break-even point down. So, I mean, real simple. Um, you know, the break-even point here with uh, at 327 is 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 not acceptable uh, in terms of a break-even point. And um, you know, for us uh, in the quarter, there were a couple of factors that occurred. There was a mix factor that occurred in terms of more uh, open call as it related to open view, which has some mix impact on. On, on margins, we certainly had to take into consideration some of the expenses associated with the Peregrine acquisition. Both of us, both of those things, uh, if you will, raised our break-even point. But uh, you know, for us, Rebecca, this business is more important than a 1.3 billion dollar uh, uh, software business. It's strategic to us in many dimensions, and strategic to us financially uh, from a growth perspective and the way it aligns with the rest of our business. And we're going to go get this business uh, uh, performing the way it should. So uh, I think you should expect to see us continue to drive on operational improvements uh, in software. Thanks, Rebecca. Next question, please, operator. Sir, our next question is from the line of Andrew Neff with Bear Stearns. Thanks. Um, could you go into a little more detail about what's going on in Europe? I and mean, that's been a, a historical area of strength. And um, even if you take, take out currency, it hasn't. Um, it was underperforming some of the other regions. Can you talk us through what you're what you're doing there and what you plan, how you plan to address some of the issues in Europe, and maybe just a general comment about demand trends in different geographic markets. Sure. I, I'd be glad to take a little bit. Bob can, can add some color uh, to it if he'd like. Um, it's a mixed bag, Andy, I mean, would be the way I would describe it. Um, there is good growth in, in Eastern Europe. So when you go into the Eastern Europe segments, you'll, you'd see growth that you'd, you'd feel very good about it. Clearly, our growth in uh, you know, areas like Russia and, and other places has been strong. Uh, when you go look at a dollar, on a dollar basis, uh, our growth in in traditional Western European countries has not been exciting. It's 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 been flattish uh, kinds of numbers, and the numbers differ a little bit by 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 country. Uh, now, when you get into a constant currency basis, all those numbers go up a bit, obviously, because we have effect of, of several points of of currency. But I would describe it as uh, Eastern Europe pretty healthy, Western Europe pretty 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 blah, uh, and s certainly some effect on on, on on currency affecting it. They are not 
any different, Andy, than I feel about the rest of the company. And that we have a coverage problem, as good as we are in Europe and as big as we are in Europe, um, and as important a player as we are over there, we are undercovered in Europe as well. And uh, we just have uh, got work to do as we do across the rest of the company. So, Okay, thanks, Andy. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Tony Sakanagi with Sanford Bernstein. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, your revenue guidance uh, for next quarter is about 4.8% year-over-year revenue growth. I know you said you wouldn't get much benefit from currency, but even if you got a little, you're really guiding to 4 to 4.5% revenue growth versus the nearly 8% that you did this quarter on a year-over-year basis. Um, can you help explain what went into that? You mentioned a little bit of caution about what might happen on the pricing side in PCs. Is there anything else that's, and again, this is year over year, so it has nothing to do with, uh, with, sequential, um, with sequential seasonal patterns. Uh, is, there, is there anything else that you're cautious about? Was there anything about the linearity in the quarter or what you were seeing in the enterprise business that, um, that appears to be making your guidance somewhat conservative? And, and quite frankly, even for the year, currency has, has flipped around pretty nicely and yet you uh, you retain the the currency guidance despite um, the revenue guidance for the full year, despite the fact that um, uh, that currency has become much more favorable. Well, the, the, the guidance that we've given uh, Tony is uh, you know right in the middle of the uh, the four to six percent kind of uh, range that we have uh, provided for the uh, for the overall company. Um, there was no particular trend within Q2. Uh, that is to say, uh, we didn't see any change in trend in the, in the, in the month of April, uh, and there, there are just in general reasons to be cautious. Uh, we just heard a question about Europe and the, and the weakness there. We've had you know, lots of comment around uh, what some of our competitors are, are talking about. So we think it's it's prudent to uh, to set a a number that uh, we feel solidly about. Yeah, I mean, Tony, listen, we hope we do better, uh, be, be, be clear with you on that. But, I mean, when we look at what's out there, first of all, we don't get a lot of benefit from, at least for a part of Q3, we're not going to get much benefit from, from currency uh, given our hedging uh, strategies. So, you know, some of it also is where's, where's the, take the euro, for example, where is it going to land? And, and, you know, we don't have a, a crystal ball on that either. So, um, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll see where we land. We think we're right in the middle. We've been saying we want to grow the company in the range that, uh, that we've described. We think we're right in the middle of that, of that guidance with what we're given here today. Thanks, Tony. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Bill Shope with J.P. Morgan Chase. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, your printing margins have you know, broken out of your targeted range now. I think earlier in the call you said you plan to increase promotional activity to uh, you know, simulate unit growth in the second half of the year. Should we assume that this means you're going to try and reinvest uh, some of the upside versus your targeted range of 13 to 15% uh, to reinvigorate the installed base? Well, um, I think you know we've, we've had 8% unit growth over the past rolling four quarters, and I think, again, our strategy is to target high-usage segments for that, for that unit growth. So you should think of us continuing to try to operate in that range of 13 to 15, uh, looking to reinvest as appropriate, again, to stimulate the install base, especially in the appropriate segments. We're not trying to lead a, a, a pricing war or anything like that. We're just trying to make sure we target the right segments. And, you know, I think at the same time you've seen the benefits of that in, in in what's shown up over the past couple quarters. And I would tell you that the IPG story is kind of a multi, 
uh, pronged story. I mean, the work that's been done in transformation of the business from a cost and expense perspective has been good work uh, done over the past several quarters. Uh, certainly what we've done at the rest of the company has helped, and certainly our unit growth has helped over the past rolling four quarters. So we think to continue, we think we'll, we'll continue that. We think we'll see accelerating unit growth, which help, will have some effect uh, on margins as we go. And, and, you know, we think we're roughly doing what we told you we'd do. So your promotional activity won't change from a prior action? It'll depend on the market, depend on the segment. Um, and, again, you know, we'll obviously monitor uh, demand and monitor pricing as we go. I think you should expect us to be um, well-positioned, certainly in those high-use segments. And, and that, But I wouldn't call anything we're going to do um, extraordinary, at least with our current plans. Thanks, Bill. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Laura Canigliaro with Goldman Sachs. Yes, thank you. Um, with Intel recently indicating that everything is on the table for review, um, how confident are you that Itanium will ultimately not end up on the cutting board? And uh, what, if anything, is Plan B should Intel actually put an end date to its Itanium involvement? Well, I mean, I, I, I have no indication, nor would I want to speculate on anything like that, uh, Laura. I mean, I think uh, we've had no indication of Intel. In fact, I think the last... Uh, big itanium discussion we had was Paul Odellini and, and I out in the marketplace talking about the investments we're making together uh, in the itanium uh, ecosystem, both across Intel and Hewlett Packard. So, um, you know, we continue to try and grow our integrity server line, and you know, I think the best the best medicine for any of that is for us to go out to marketplace and scale the business and, and grow it. Thanks, Laura. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Harry Blount with Lehman Brothers. Hi, guys. Uh, quick strategic question. The, the number one issue that I consistently hear from investors is, uh, you know, can HP continue the momentum on the revenue growth side of the equation once we get past some of the cost-cutting? Mark, you've alluded to uh, increasing the coverage, but as I take a look at um, the software and services business, could you – potentially comment on some of the other levers that you're looking at pulling on the revenue growth side broadly and then uh, a little bit more detail specifically on the software and services. Thanks. Sure. I think, um, you know, frankly, the levers kind of integrate, Harry, right? I mean, for us, we really work on optimizing our cost and, and, and taking cost out of other things and putting them in things that help us grow. So, you know, we're doing a lot of work, as, as you know, in, in areas like IT and areas of corporate overhead and realigning those, those, those dollars into areas that go help us grow the company. Uh, certainly sales coverage is a part of that. And uh, we're working, we think there's a lot of market uncovered that, you know, I've given you kind of the cost side of going out and building that out. But um, the opportunity for us is significant if we're successful over the long term in being able to drive more market share. And I think that market share, when you've got our situation, I, I, uh, just to be very open with you, sales as a, as a discipline is not the, the hallmark of the company. Uh, we're an engineering-driven company, and we're very good at it. We build great technology at Hewlett-Packard, and, and we just have to build the same kind of, of discipline and capability in our, in our enterprise sales capability and go-to-market model that we have in that other aspect of the company. And I think we'll be able to go do that, and I do think that affects growth. At the same time, when you talk about services, there is a direct correlation between services cost and leverage, the integration of software and automation of processes, and our ability to scale out our services business. So back to my point earlier, you want to go, if you have too much cost, you can't compete for multi-year transactions. 
you have to get your cost structure in line because you get it multiplied when you have a flaw in your cost model. It gets multiplied multiple times over multiple years. So for us, it's very important to get our corporate cost right and to get our cost within services right. And one of the ways to do that is to automate processes, which is what we're doing through our integration of OpenView into our service delivery process. That puts us in a better strategic position to grow grow the company. So I, th I think, Harry, the way you should think about it is us trying to get our cost right to be able to continue to invest in, in unit and commercial printer market share, to grow, to get our sales force right, both in, 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 in commercial printing and in the enterprise sales uh, uh, discussions that we described earlier, to continue to drive on getting our services business uh, lined up from a cost perspective and automation perspective so we can go to the marketplace and grow. And we are focused equally on getting our cost right and growing the company. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Harry. Next question, please. So our next question is from the line of Shannon Cross with Cross Research. Um, hi. I just wanted to ask a question about the cash flow. Obviously, it's strong this quarter. How should we think about cash flow as we go through the remainder of the year? And also, that segues into, obviously, use of cash questions. Uh, Sherry purchase dividends are already there. Any thoughts on more acquisitions? Thanks. Well, in terms of the rest of the year, um, there, there's, there's not a lot uh, that we expect to be different from the first half to the second, other than, as I indicated, capital spending will be a little um, back-end loaded. So if you're looking at uh, free cash flow, uh, we would expect a little uptick in uh, capital spending. But uh, frankly, all of the, uh, the working capital measures that we're looking at right now uh, seem to be in line with where we want them, and I, I don't expect uh, huge changes as we move into the second half. I think to your question on, on the use of our cash, I mean, I think you hit the right the right levers. Obviously, we've been and will continue to be active in the repurchase of, of HP shares, and we'll continue to look for acquisitions that are strategically aligned with where we want to take the company. And, you know, you've seen us make acquisitions in storage and in services and in blades um, over the past several quarters in IPG, and uh, we'll continue to look in, in those areas for things that make sense for us. Um, so, and again, we're not going to go after an acquisition just to spend money. It's going to have to be an acquisition that, that aligns to where we want to take the company strategically. Okay, Shannon, thank you. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Cindy Shaw with Moores and Cabot. Thank you. I'd like to go back to the topic of revenue growth. It's been much better in the last two quarters than we'd seen for a number of years beforehand. Mark, you laid out in the December analyst meeting a number of uh, basically tactics and strategies for doing that. Is that kicking in already, or have we got other elements that are helping the revenue growth in the last six months? Uh, Cindy, as, as I indicated, I think what you've seen is good work um, in terms of our ability to align our cost and our ability to go put that into the market and have it work for us. Um, certainly you've seen that in our unit growth in, in IPG. You've seen it show up in, in PSG to a degree. We have um, work to do in the enterprise sales force, and this not only hits TSG but also hits IPG. So for us, we need to be able to do a better job in those accounts from a coverage perspective. And I would say, as I mentioned in my comments earlier, some of that work has not kicked in. And that's work that we've got to do to be able to go source and hire, assimilate, and train the people. So I'd say we're pulling some of the levers. And I, I would actually argue some of those levers we're pulling quite well. Um, we have to make sure we're pulling all of them as we look forward in the future. So is it fair to say the mobility plan is going pretty well for you then? 
Well, I mean, I think you saw our strength in, in, in notebooks in the quarter was 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 good, and and certainly when you're up, you know, 48 percent, um, when you look at the units, I mean, those are big numbers, and particularly it's not like we're growing off a small base either. So I think you know, even in IPG, while, while I wish we'd had a little bit more unit growth, we certainly were coming off one of our strongest quarters uh, a year ago. I think we were like 12 percent unit growth uh, prior year. So again, to your point, I mean, it's 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 very important for us to get our cost right so we stay as competitive in the marketplace as we can. We've just got it. We've also got to get this Salesforce thing going our way, and that's going to take us some time to get that right. But I, I'm confident we got a shot. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Cindy. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Bill Fernley with FTN Midwest Securities. Yes, Mark. A quick question for you regarding the channel. When you talk about increasing the sales staff. Should we accre- uh, expect a change in the direct and indirect sales mix? And does your view change as you look at geos? And you know, does your view of the channel change here as you cross your one-year anniversary at Hewlett? Okay, well, that was uh, one of Brian's rules to not ask a multi-part question, but um, I'll do my best to, 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 to deal with that. Um, listen, I think the channel is a key asset for us. I think they're in a lot of places that we can't get to. I think they give us a lot of support. We have all kinds of different channel partners across different segments, across different geographies. So it's hard to generalize about them, but but if I were to generalize, I would call them an asset, and it's my view changed since I got here. Not really. Uh, we're continuing to try and align our, our channel compensation to uh, channel performance, and, and we believe that to be working and feel good about our alignment uh, in that respect. Should you take any of my comments in terms of the building out of the direct enterprise sales force as some uh, message to the channel, no. I think the message you should take to the channel is we're going to go create demand for Hewlett-Packard, and that's going to be an opportunity for our channel partners to get more demand at the same time. We are not making a, a fulfillment um, uh, directive by by what we're doing with our with our folks, they're going out to create more demand for HP, and that that's going to benefit the channel as much as it's going to benefit any of our direct motions. Thank you, Bill. Next question, please. Sir, our next question is from the line of Chris Whitmore with Deutsche Bank. Uh, good afternoon. Couple questions. Hoping first of all to get more color on the the deceleration in uh, in, in unit shipments in the in the printer space. Is that uh, broad based market phenomena, etc. And, and tied to that, I was a little surprised to see inventory increase sequentially uh, entering the, the, the summer slowdown. Could you give us any color on, on the inventory on your balance sheet? Thanks. Well, let me, let me uh, start with uh, inventory. We feel uh, very good about the inventory position. Uh, we did uh, increase our what we call our strategic inventory, our strategic buys in PSG, uh, this is uh, focused on areas where we want to assure supply at good prices, uh, and so there w- is a bit of an uptick that is um, not seasonal in nature. But that's really the only area of inventory that uh, is, is uh, going a little differently than what one would normally model. Yeah, I mean, I also think, uh, to Bob's point, you're going to see us where we, where we think it makes sense uh, do spot buys like, like, like Bob described, um, but I wouldn't take that as some uh, other kind of inventory message at all. In IPG, I think the question is a bit more complicated, and, and without trying to get into you know, a ton of detail on this call, we are targeting high-usage segments. So we give you an overall unit growth number as opposed to a unit growth number by segment. So we're, I'm, I'm, take my comments to mean um, I am pretty pleased with what IPG did in the quarter from a unit growth perspective. I would have liked to have seen more, more unit growth, but I wouldn't interpret 
totally the three because there's some low-usage segments that we frankly don't get as aggressive in depending on what's going on in the marketplace. So, again, let me message one more time. We do expect accelerated unit growth in the back half of the year um, in IPG. Okay, we'll take one more question, please. Answer that question is from the line of Keith Bachman with Bank of America. Hi, guys. Just under the wire. Um, with the talk uh, again about Keith, I'm afraid we can barely hear you. Could could you speak up, please? Yeah, can you hear me now, Bob? Much better. Okay. I um, was hoping you could talk a little bit more about the PC dynamics in terms of um, trying to separate out some of the opportunities or revenue growth that you had in the quarter from the U.S. versus the international market and how, if any, the pricing dynamics differed there, because, again, this actually relates back to Dell and just trying to understand what the future may hold here if Dell gets more aggressive on pricing. You know, uh, the best way I can describe it, Keith, is it was it was um, pretty balanced um, uh, overall. I mean, the, the U.S. was... Um, was, I mean, it's just—it's pretty balanced overall. It's just, its the—it's—it's it's the best I can—I can give you. Um, I can't come up with a with a tremendous difference in geography. As I mentioned in my prepared comments, uh, we had strong growth, uh, you know, across really all geographies, and um, that's the way we saw it. Yeah, and if you look at uh, ASPs for uh, personal systems, you know, overall year over year, we saw a. 5% decline in ASPs, uh, which is really very similar to what we saw in Q1. So it's just um, it's, it's, there's just no news there. And if you look at it by region, I'm not going to give you the, the exact details, but there's not much not much deviation around that 5% by region. Okay, there's not chief much there. I mean, it, we had double-digit unit growth in every region. Um, the, yeah, there's just that's about all I can give you on it. Okay. okay, Bob, is there any color you can give us what the spot buy was? What was that product? Uh, it was in a, a few areas, but uh, the largest, once again, was in panels. Okay, all right, many thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, Keith. Listen, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate all your questions. Before wrapping up, um, I want to summarize today's call by, uh, again, saying I'm pleased with, with HP's second quarter results. We posted solid revenue growth. We control costs and expenses. Uh, expanded margins, and generated strong cash flow. Uh, the quarter represented another solid quarter in a multi-year plan, and while we clearly have more work to do, and we know that, um, we're well on our way to building a stronger, more competitive HP. And uh, uh, while we got to get after that work, and I think we'll continue to align our expenses uh, and continue to optimize our, our investments and in growth, um, we're encouraged with our progress today. So I'll leave my comments at that. And again, thanks for joining us for the call.